I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Howdy, everybody, and welcome to Blizzard Watch, the podcast where we talk about Blizzard Entertainment and its many games. I'm Matt. I'm the host, and with me this week is my fantastic co-host, uh, Joe Perez. Joe, what have you been up to? Uh, well, besides just starting a new job, I've been painting owl bear cubs because they are adorable and deadly. I, yes, I, I, I can't disagree with either of these statements. Uh, I've been watching nature documentaries, <laughs> and good okay. they do. Yeah, uh, I know. One of the things... One of the things that I was watching recently was, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the show SciShow. It's like PBS, but it's on the internet. No, it's I don't think I've ever heard of that. PBS. It's by PBS Digital Studios, so it actually is a PBS thing. Huh. Uh, SciShow is cool. It's not as much fun for me as Eons. Eons is also by PBS Digital Studios, but Eons is very specifically about paleontology and prehistoric stuff and like deep time, whereas SciShow is just a grab bag. It's like, you know, this is a science thing. But SciShow was talking about the most efficient hunters in the world. And it's like the most efficient, like not, not most efficient doesn't mean scariest. Like it doesn't mean like this is the biggest, most dangerous animal. It means literally this one kills like above 50%, like when it makes an attempt. Because like when a lion makes, when lions make an attempt in their, their pride, lions kill one in four. Mm -hmm. Like every, of every like attempt they make, three of them are going to be failures. This one cat, for instance, that they mentioned, which is like this, the Blackfoot cat, which is like one of the smallest cats in Africa. It's like house cat sized. It makes 60% of its kills. Like when it tra- out of every 10 attempts, six make it. So that's that's very efficient for a cat. And it, it goes on from there. One of the things I found hilarious, guess how, many, guess how many kills dragonflies make? Uh, I don't know. I'm going to say, what, 72%? 90%. Really? I only miss one at a time, one time out of 10. Guess what animal never misses an attempt? Hmm. This is really one that messed me up. Leather, the leatherback turtle. Well, you it know, that kind of makes sense. It only hunts jellyfish. And it, you know, because it only hunts jellyfish, 
they, they can't don't fail. move. <laughs> <laughs> the, the difficulty is finding them. But it's like once you found one, boom, it makes the kill every time. That's just what, one of those things that I found was really funny. But anyway, I, this has nothing to do with anything. So I, I, I was going hey, to we say... Spent a, we spent a lot of time this expansion dealing with jellyfish. It's perfectly applicable. <laughs> but yeah, we should... Uh, we're going to do that thing where we move on and talk about some top stories. And best be partially because the first of these top stories was pretty interesting to me. Uh, yet this week, I want to say yesterday at this point while we're recording, uh, the guys over at, at, at GameSpot pushed, posted a thing that linked to the, the uh, LinkedIn of the co-president of Activision Blizzard Studios, which if you don't know what that is, uh, it's a television studio that, that Activision Blizzard started. A couple of years ago now, I think it's yeah, 2015. It's and it's its goal is to make TV shows based on their properties. They did a Skylanders show. That's how I know it exists because a friend of mine worked on Skylanders for a while. And uh, Skylanders is an Activision Blizzard property. It's not a Blizzard property, but it is an Active Blizzard one. And uh, what happened was on on the uh, Nick Van Dyke, I believe his name is. Um, on his LinkedIn, he basically had said that he had, you know, he was working as executive producer on a new Diablo animated series, and did also mention that he had sold an Overwatch series to somebody. The the, the Blizzard the, the Diablo special he straight up said it was on Netflix. The Overwatch one just said he and his, his creative partner, who he didn't name, have successfully sold an, an Overwatch series, which is. I'm going to be upfront. I have been writing about possible Diablo animated series going back to 2018. Well, because they, they told us it was going to happen. Well, not just that. It was uh, specifically the man whose who's name, this, Andy Cosby, that's what his yes. name, had, had posted to his Twitter that he was showrunner on it. And it, he's actually got uh, an animation cred- you know, credentials and pedigree. It wasn't super surprising that they would tap him. But then, of course, it's never been announced. And it's the same, you know, we've been thinking, when are they going to do an Overwatch series forever? They've never announced one. And we've been asking for that for a while. Like, if you go back and listen to any of our old, like, lore watches or, or, or some of our other other stuff, we've been asking for something like that for a long while because the, the Overwatch shorts and the cinematic experiences that we do get from uh, anytime they release any of the, like, new events or anything like that, they're always fantastic. And people have been begging to learn more about it. And especially when they, because we were also supposed to get a Overwatch comic a long, long time ago, too. And that got canceled. And it was supposed to be like trade paperbacks that were released regularly. This is stuff people have been clamoring for. So an animated series, that's perfect. It it, it sort of fills that niche. I'd love to yeah. see it. I'm going to just be the guy, though, because I have been burned plenty of times. Oh, here. yeah. Until they actually announce this, till it's not just a, a, an executive made a bo- an oopsie doodle on his LinkedIn, but you know we actually get an announcement. Don't expect anything because another thing that happened this week was that people were leaking somewhat finished builds of StarCraft Ghost. That which you keep know, in mind that game came out in two, that game didn't come out in two thousand six. That and happened I, once before. I remember on the internet, and they got they they went through a lot of trouble to scrub that that. Yeah, because it's not it's not a finished game and it's not the game. They didn't want to release it because they didn't think it was good enough. So, of course, they don't want people to see it. But my point is just Starcraft Ghost was in development for several years before they stopped 
before they canceled it. So it's very possible that there is a Diablo animated series with an executive producer being made right now, and they might decide not to ever do anything with it. Well, it's kind of like Titan. Yeah, exactly. So when you hear these things, until it is actually a, a press release from Activision Blizzard saying, we have made this and it will be on Netflix next week, don't get excited. And even then, I would be, I would, I would have it with a grain of salt because with the Diablo one was announced what 2018. They didn't. The thing is, is they didn't announce it. That's, yeah, they that's showed us the a trailer. Difference. They gave us a trailer. It was like this big but thing you, at, you, at BlizzCon. You mean the Wrath thing? No, I think you mean the Wrath short. I don't remember any BlizzCon trailer for Diablo animated before. I'll, I'll be up to find it. If that, if that happened, I don't remember it. But nevertheless, just don't don't get too excited yeah. until it's actually out until it's actually in front of you and even more so for the overwatch one, because this is the first we've ever heard of that. Oh. Now, on the other hand, I did check. I made sure to go check even after the games, the game spot thing. I went and looked it up. Uh, Nick Van Dyke is absolutely a, the co the co-president of, of Activision Blizzard studios. Like I went and looked up his IMD page, IMDB page. I, I checked like multiple times. So I didn't feel silly. I even went and made sure that we had like a, you know, grabs of the stuff he had put on on his LinkedIn. So if if he decides to to you know gain his sanity and and scrub his LinkedIn, we we already, you know, we've got the original article, we've got all that. It did happen, but that doesn't mean we're going to still get the product until they've actually announced the product. Don't get your hopes up. That's that's basically where I am on this. Um, I am interested to see if you can find that Joe because I am I'm going to have to cuz I I distinctly remember them doing something at a BlizzCon where they showed an animated thing and talked about it going to Netflix. And I don't think it may not have been a full trailer. It might've just been a teaser, but I'll have to find it. But I remember distinctly okay. seeing that video and thinking, this is great. And then nothing, just you didn't hear anything about it. And I have a feeling that it was originally my speculation at the time is that the original plan for the animated series was going to tie into Diablo four, but because of everything that happened with Diablo four's development over the years, that's why it got quiet because they didn't know what they were doing with that quite yet. And what was happening with it changing over. So they, they didn't want to scrap the animated project, but they also couldn't really release anything on it because if they did, it wouldn't be, you know, I don't want to say it it wouldn't be Diablo immortal all over again. It would be, people wouldn't know what to expect or they would be expecting something completely different than what they they'd be being delivered. So yeah, I'm going to point out too. back in, in BlizzCon 2018, just before Blizzard BlizzCon 2018 happened, Blizzard announced that they were doing a licensed Diablo comic. That licensed Diablo comic starred Lilith. Yep. She was on the cover art. Yep. And then suddenly they canceled it out of nowhere. And then they didn't do any Diablo 4 announcement at BlizzCon 2018, even though we all expected it. And, I mean, looking at what happened at BlizzCon 2019, it's fairly obvious why Lilith was the star of this comic that didn't happen. But these things get announced. Sometimes they actually get announced, and then they don't happen. So, again, until the thing is is airing, essentially, don't don't get too excited. I'm, I'm more curious, though. I, I I feel like the Diablo thing has been something that's been rumored and we know kind of the model for it because it's going to basically be like Castlevania. Yeah. The, Castlevania you look at the animation styles very well. Like Castlevania thing. If they're doing an overwatch series, 
is it going to basically just be the people at Blizzard Cinematic Team doing a show? Is it going to be the other animators copying that style? What's it going to be? That's the thing that gets me about an Overwatch series. We don't really have a template for it. So I guess is the Clone Wars the template for it? I mean, what what, what do you think? As far as like a template on the storytelling or the template on the production? Because I actually have an idea on the production side, like what, what will likely happen. Go with, what you, go with what you've got an idea for first. So they probably will tap the cinematic team to help with it, a lot of the, the animations and stuff like that to sort of get the feels for it. Because one, they already have the rigging and they already have the model set for it. But what they'll likely do is they'll likely probably bring in an outside uh, studio to do uh, polishing and inner like, I think it's called like intermediate work um, one of my friends does stuff like this for TV shows and animated stuff out and out near Irving uh, so I wouldn't be terribly surprised if they grabbed a, uh, one of those particular firms to come in teach them how to use the rigging and the tools that they have inside of their setup to do the exact production of that stuff uh, and this way they're not hiring a whole new team but they're all and they're not pulling the cinematic team completely away from what they're doing and it'll almost be kind of like a mentorship ish thing where like here's our tools here's how these work here's what we want to happen here's the storyboards go to town and that's probably what they'll do to get it now as far as like animation style i think it is going to be close like closer to the cinematics if not exactly like the cinematics because that's already super polished like it we're not talking old school where you know things ha- the the cinematics uh, like the pre-rendered cg cinematics from the world of warcraft classic opening is completely different than the in-game cinematics because the in-game cinematics are just made with the models the models in overwatch are super detailed and the engine is super powerful and they made a lot of time polishing that I would not be surprised if it's just basically watching extended versions of stuff we're already used to seeing. So that that's my my two cents on that. That's how I think it's going to shake out at least. What about you? Oh, I'm I in terms of production, I am absolutely not the guy to talk about, but in terms of uh how they're going to work it in terms of storytelling, I feel like they're going to have to at least have Michael Chu do this. I mean, because he's the guy mm-hmm. who really has Overwatch in his head and he's the guy who knows like, pretty much the storyline um with overwatch 2 coming out i honestly find myself wondering what would an overwatch short be series be would it be like the stuff of like the early days would it be the omnic crisis would it be now like what what, what is it going to be um yeah that's a really good question because they could do a lot of stuff with that right and i was kind of thinking about that absolutely. too like do we have a thing where the seasons are different stories from different time periods? Because we've been wanting to see the Omnic Crisis. It's something we've asked for a lot of. We know there's a ton of stuff going on now. You know, we want. There's been a whole bunch of stuff in the the history of the Overwatch team members that we could dive into as well. Like you could literally have an entire season dedicated to nothing but talent agents, and you know how their backstories were done and how they came into the organization and what they're doing now current day in game yeah and the interesting thing here is also that we don't know we we also don't know the the little bit we have tells us that they developed it and sold it but they don't tell us who to like we is this a netflix show is it going to be somewhere else we don't know um keep in mind netflix seems to be the the biggest one out there because you know disney plus does stuff that disney owns Whereas Netflix will take on various projects from various places. So, um, yeah, I think but, Netflix know, is Hulu, the most likely. 
there's you know there's other places i just don't know we don't know maybe maybe it could even pop up on the, the other thing is is overwatch for a while overwatch had that whole thing going on with abc but now they've moved to youtube they could theoretically show it on youtube well uh, youtube does have their youtube TV. does have their yeah tv but it's it's clearly not a real big player in this market you'd but be surprised you, that one you'd be surprised about like i would be surprised because I mean, other stuff that they've had exists, and it is fairly popular. But and then again, there's there's Amazon. Yep. You but know? I think Amazon if, has shown shows too. So I think it's going to come down to who makes the better deal because I don't think Blizzard's going to give a lot of the any place like they're going to want to own like a good portion of whatever's produced, and I don't think they're going to be down with that. Which is why I think most of the production is going to be done in house or with. A, a third party firm that they bring in and then they shop it around to recoup some of the production costs. But then, you know, it's, Hey, you know, which Netflix is more than willing to do. I, I think more likely than most of them. And I think Netflix or Hulu would be the two most likely to probably pick that up. Um, just because they're the ones that tend to have those deals in place where they don't own the IP. They just deliver the product and pay you to deliver the product. So I think those are more likely, but you're right. It could end up anywhere. This could be that one that Google goes, this will highlight this product for us. People will come here to watch this, which is probably true. And that could be a, a deal, a deal maker for them. Who knows? But I'm excited. Yeah. I just want to see it at this point. I just want more. Yeah. But uh, to move on to some other stuff, um, this one I wasn't really surprised by. And I think I even wrote in the article that I think it's inevitable. Uh, wow. Classic. Blackwing Lair dropped this week, and uh, it was cleared within 40 minutes. Not surprised. Like, you know, people killed Neff within 40 minutes. And here's the thing. and I, I there's It's hard to, to express this sometimes without coming out like I'm negative on WoW Classic, and that's because I am negative on WoW Classic. I'm just going to be honest with you. And here's the reason why. I have felt from the beginning the problem with WoW Classic was you are effectively never going to recreate how it actually felt to play back then. Yep. And part of the reason for that is we did not have 15 plus years of people having already beaten all of this content when we were beating this content. We didn't even have the world first guilds. The, the guilds that were beating this content first were not streaming themselves doing it. Yeah, we, we actually they talked were, about that. They were hiding those strategies. They did not share them. They didn't tell you anything. They used, to, um, they used to log out in different gear and change their spec so that you could not armory check them to find out what their strategies were. Like, and that's not even like the armory didn't even exist for the first year. Yep. So, I mean, but yeah, the, the, this was not, it's a different world. And it's not, this is not to say that players now are quote unquote better than players were back then. But they are more familiar with the tropes and the, and the techniques of how these games work. And it's kind of like I, I, I tried to come up with a way to say this that wasn't mean spirited. And the fact is you are going into content that's already on farm before you ever see it. There are dozens of strategies for it. People have cleared it. Even if your guild is all new people like who've never, ever done this, it takes you. You can take five minutes and go to Wowpedia and look up the complete original strat to how this works. There's yeah. no surprises. 
when we went into Neff, we didn't even know about the class calls. My guild, I mean, not every guild, and some some guilds did. My guild, the first time we pulled Neff, we didn't even know he did. So when he started doing them, they were a surprise to us. Like when he turned people in the raid into giraffes during the mage call, like he turned the mages into giraffes. He polyed people, and he had better polys than us. Um, so I don't feel like this is in any way, shape, or form a negative to how skilled people were back then. Nor do I feel like it's any, like any kind of dig on people now to say that you know you're playing in a different system, and it's never going to really be what you want it to be. Which doesn't mean it can't be fun. A lot of people are enjoying the heck out of it. I have a friend who's rating it right now. Loves it. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like I, I've been trying to make this distinction as well. Like I'm, I don't want people to think that I'm negative or or that I hate the idea of, of classic WoW. And I, I encourage people to go back and play it, and you know if that's what they want to do. It's just the reason that I don't play it is because of those things. Like, and I made this this statement very similar to this when they announced this. I was like. It's not. It's never going to be able to capture that same feeling of, of the lightning in the bottle, because we have too much collective community learning at this point, and a lot of the the strategies, a lot of the weird things that we did back in then, it wasn't because a guide told us to. It was hushed rumors of weird strats that guilds pulled, or you know, like, and I bring this up a lot. Like when my guild did Nax Ramus back at the during that time frame, when we when it was bugged and we were going for server first, not world first back then server first. And we were trying to clear next and we did the weird hunter strategy on instructor Resuvius. We didn't tell anybody and we didn't tell anybody how to get around that buggy encounter because it was our advantage. And then now it's reached this point of, I don't want to say infamy, but like people that I've never met have heard of that thing happening. And it's not, it wasn't, it was never like that. They were, there were never confirmed things. Like you said, there was not people streaming this. There wasn't YouTube videos at the time. Mm-hmm. And if they were, they were terrible quality and it's just a different world and it's fine. Like that's just how things have evolved, but it's just not the same. So like something like this, and, and, and this is where I will give people credit because knowing this, instead of going for server first and instead of going for, you know, those type of accolades that they might have, the WoW Classic rating scene has turned into speedrun races. It's who can do it the fastest instead of who can do it first. And I think that's an interesting evolution there because I was always wondering how that was going to play out, and I never once considered speedrunning. How quickly can a group of 40 folks at level, at gear level, clear this content? And that is a very interesting way to sort of usher cla- this classic content into a modern mindset. So I, I, I got yeah. to give that at least a little credit. Well, I'll, I'll, let me say it this way, too. The fact that it took them a week to do Molten Core, but only 40 minutes to do Blackwing Lair is not a testament. It's not a testament to Blackwing Lair being easier. It's layout. Uh, we what it is, about that. not just layout. Um, it took them a week to do Molten Core because they were doing Molten Core when they weren't 60 yet. Oh, People yeah. were going into Molten Core with groups that weren't 60 yet that weren't geared. But Blackwing Lair opens with people having cleared Molten Core and Anixia for months. They are geared up. They have two pieces of their Tier 2 already. They're, you know, People are going into Blackwing Lair... And they, they, the year will be upgrades, but these people are fully epicked out. People were going into Molten Core in greens. 
Yep. At level 55. As soon as they could walk in, they were going in. That's the way it's going to be for every raid that comes out for, for, for this reason, for everything we just said, and for another reason. The server is not going to just randomly crash. Not, and like, yeah, not, like, stone talon. not like the old days. You know, there's, <laughs> there's not going to be a point where you try and do knacks, but the latency is so bad that your heals don't go off. That, that's not going to happen. The servers are stable. The servers are not la- are not latency pro nightmares. This is a far more technically proficient Blizzard than the one we had in 2004 to 2006. They know how to keep the servers up. They know how to keep them running. And so the biggest challenge for Naxxramas 40 was latency. And this is not just me saying this. This is from all the guilds that were running at the time. It was tuned super tight. And any latency would would hurt you. Mm -hmm. Like if you got even a little lag, forget it. Try doing... um, Even doing it in Nax 25... Try doing the safety dance with big lag spikes. Oof, yeah. No, we, now yeah. imagine... I lived through that. It was... Yeah. Oof. 40 man trying to do it with lag spikes? No, it was a nightmare. It's not going to happen this time. When they do Nax 40 and they're doing the safety dance, people are going to die, but not like they did back then. And that's a thing that, again, do you want to recreate that? Do you want to recreate extreme punishing latency? Do you want to... Because... Guild got around that kind of stuff by just raiding for like 12 hours. That's like, I don't, maybe you have the time for that. I don't anymore. I don't. Yeah. No, no, man. I can't stay awake for 12 hours straight in front of a computer. I start to, like, my eyes get all weird. <laughs> no, no, it's not happening. But none of this, none of this is, is any kind of aspersion on the quality of the people playing now or the quality of the people playing then. Um, it's just it's highlighting just a, the difference of the time yeah. frame, right? Like, There's never going to be any content introduced to WoW Classic that is unknown. Even if they started putting, like, like if they started doing the Burning Crusade and, and Wrath of the Lich King servers they've talked about, none of the content that comes then will be new and different. It's always going to be the content we know it is. You know what's coming. We didn't know what Nax was going to be like till we went in. I remember the first time someone in my guild killed that cat. And for one thing, my wife got furious because you know, kill cats. It's just and then, no. And then that but, moment of uh, moment of re- reprise of of hearing the the voice of Kelthazad, like that was unexpected. <laughs> yeah, no one no one expected. No, you know. And what really got me about that that whole raid when I'm I remember when Nax forty became Nax twenty five slash ten, and we went in we went into Nax ten for the first time because we had. I believe we had exactly 10 people who'd made it to level uh, 80. And so we, the night we went in, we just went in. And I remember saying this. This is a comment I remember making at the time. It feels like an empty strip mall because the trash level, the trash level in Nax 40 is going to break people's minds. Yeah. Because it was just, but but they will clear it. They will clear it fast. Yep. It won't, I don't think it'll be like, it won't be a 40 minute thing. I think Nax will take a day or two to get down. Yeah, I agree. Just because the the tuning was so tight and the trash is just so thick, it, and it's huge. And, and, and not for not not to forget the gear check that was our pudgy little stitches friend. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, patchwork was. It's it's hard to remember because we don't do many patchwork tiles fights anymore. DPS check fights nowadays tend to have another mechanic, 
but patchwork was literally the, the the DPS just stood there and hit him until he died. Yep. Or or you didn't, and then you died. Yeah, either you hit him until he died, or he rage and then he'd kill you. Um, but yeah, it just it is going to be it's going to be cleared because this is stuff that people have already done, and all the strats exist, and everybody knows how it works. And, and yeah, and that's okay. So, yeah, absolutely. It is okay. That's the thing you have to realize going into this. Even if even if like me you're you're kind of of the opinion I did this already. That's my biggest thing about about WoW Classic is I keep thinking every time someone's like, Yeah, we're doing this, I'm like, Yeah, I did that already. And you know, it's it is what it is. That's what they're trying for. And if anything, the fact that they've recreated it so faithfully faithfully is why you can clear it in that amount of time. Uh but okay. Last thing, last thing we have for news. Let me just move on to it. They finally announced when Diablo Three Season Nineteen is ending. It's ending March first. So if you're still working on your season journey, if you're still working on Season Nineteen, you've got till March first. You've got this week, the remainder of this week. We're recording this on Tuesday night, so you've got like the remainder of this week, and then all of next week, and then I think I think March first is is Sunday of next week. I think. Because it's 29 days this month? Yes, it is, in fact, the first of... Yeah. Uh, Sunday is the first. Yep. So, yeah, it'll be next Sunday. This Not this next Sunday coming, but the Sunday after, as we're recording this. So if you're listening to it relatively live, you've got, like, that many days. And if you're listening to it uh, when it goes live on the site, you've got less days. But that's the, that's the basic thing. Uh, season 20, we don't know exactly when. It'll probably be, like, a week or so after Season 19 ends. Uh, season 20, we now know, has the Kanai's Cube buff, where you can basically just say, instead of having one weapon, one piece of jewelry, and one set, one piece of armor in your Kanai's Cube, you could go with three weapon buffs, or three jewelry buffs, or what have you. I honestly think that the first time I play with this new buff, I'm going to totally go and, and give myself three amulets, because you have the amulet, you can become immune to arcane, to fire, to poison, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play around with those. That's where I'm thinking, because I, I love the idea of that. But if you could have three weapon buffs, you could totally go crazy with that. It's an interesting season power. I don't know, Joey, you play Diablo 3 at all? I, I used to play it quite a bit. I haven't in a while. I've been out of the loop for the last four seasons, I want to say. It's, you know, it's, I, I'm one of those people where I'm totally like, I, I come back to it. I play it for like a month or two every season, and then I kind of let it, like, let it go because there's always something else to do. I think a Diablo three is kind of like comfort food. Yeah. That, you know, it's like, a good way pizza, to think about it's, it. like, it's like pizza or chips or something where sometimes you get a craving. So you go back and you smash stuff for a while and then you let it go. Cause other games came out or others, you know, I've actually been playing wow a ton lately. So I've been like, you know, occupied with that. I've got like my death Knight and my warrior and my, my paladin all kind of Nihilotha raid ready. I don't actually raid on the other two, but I have them ready to go in if I ever get bored enough. Um, and that's what I've been doing is I've been doing a ton of that. I think today was the first day I didn't immediately do the, um, the, 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 the old God assault just because I had other stuff to do. I did, however, get the weapon, uh, even on my main who had two 445 weapons already, I went and got the weapon. Uh, by the way, if you're playing Alliance and you're listening to this, uh, one of the emissaries is a weapon. It's the uh, the Order of Embers. I have no idea. This is, again, on American servers, and I have no idea if, what the Horde got. I don't know if the Horde got a weapon or not today. Probably you didn't. Usually if one, one, guy, one side gets it, the other doesn't immediately get it. 
Uh, they don't they don't go for that kind of parity. But check anyway. See, you know, if 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 you have the proper gear, you can get a pretty you can get a raid quality and Iolithic quality weapon. The weapon I got was actually an upgrade uh, because it it wasn't a corrupted weapon, but it had crit and haste, which is which is what I wanted as a fury warrior. So I was like, oh yeah, that's much better. That's much better. Um, and it, I had an upgrade for my my death knight and my paladin as well. The uh, the death knight got a tanking weapon, which was like, yes, thank you. Uh, it's very hard to it's hard to gear an alt as a tank uh, because you kind of have to like just accept that you know you're gonna have to do some tanking on this alt that you don't play very much, uh, which was kind of a problem. But yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's that's going on, the that whole thing I just said, and I had nothing to do with the Diablo 3 thing. But, you know, hey, the season's ending. You've got a week. Uh, get ready on that. I think at this point we're going to move on to do some emails. Uh, as If you've got an email for the show, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzardwatch so we know it's for the show. One of the emails we got was actually had questions for both shows and that's fine. That's a little bit more work for me, but I don't mind if you totally, if you want to ask a question for both shows in one email, you can do that and we'll look at it and we'll make sure it tries to get to both shows. Uh, and we did do that today. We, we broke the question out. So yeah, uh, go ahead and do that. That's fine. Or you can, you can hit us up on our, on our discord server. We have a patron Q and podcast question channel and i the first question for the, this week took from that as well so yeah uh joe's gonna read them for us so if you don't mind joe not a problem uh this first one comes from tetsemi question for the blizzard watch podcast if forsaken paladins were a thing who'd have the better story think the day deathwing came tall tale story i love that quest uh forsaken paladin a light forged death knight or forsaken holy priest Ah, I'm going to let you answer this one first. Uh, I, I actually stole this question for a cue at one point, but I wanted to give it its actual due on the podcast because he did ask for the podcast. Um, I have in the past said that I think a Forsaken Paladin would, and I still kind of feel like it, but I think a Forsaken Death Knight actually has some really interesting ideas here that, did, that didn't get asked. He didn't ask what a Forsaken Death Knight, but think about a Forsaken Death Knight for a second. You you died and you came back as a Forsaken and you broke free from the Lich King, and then you died again. <laughs> and the, the the Lich King wouldn't let you stay dead, but made you come back again and took you over again, and then you finally fought free from him again. The the twice baked potato of player characters. You you seriously got to be thinking like, oh my, there's a there's there's a thing that happens when you're doing the Dark Shore Warfront that put me in mind of this. You're kill if you you're killing certain horde figures while you're heading up to if you're a night elf you're heading up to to claim Bishalaran and you're killing various forsaken and one of them actually goes not again and I just keep thinking to myself he's that guy <laughs> he's that he's that guy who's like died came back died came back he's gonna come back again and he's gonna be like no I just I'm just tired I'm tired. I kind of feel like the Forsaken Paladin would be similar to that in that, that we already know that the Holy Light burns the Forsaken. Yep, like when it heals them, it, it's it's more like cauterization than it is like an actual healing gentleness. It, it burns and it, they don't like it. So I think both the Forsaken Paladin and the Forsaken Holy Priest would have that same thing going on. Um, but a Holy Priest at least could become a Shadow Priest and deal with both Light and Void at the same time. Second Paladin doesn't really have that option. They're just using Holy all the time. It's always burning them. 
They're just literally they're going around smiting people, and every time they judge, every time they smite, every time they do everything, they're burning parts of themselves off. Yeah, and I feel like that's that's gotta that's kind of kind of suck. It can't be great. Yeah, and um, I I think I think I'm actually gonna go with the light forged Death Knight as having probably the the weirder of the story or the better story, especially if it's a Forsaken that's been light forged because we have. That possibility coming up in in the future with Kalia, and uh, that's a, just a whole weird thing to think about. Uh, but like a light forged Death Knight, you essentially got reconstituted, broken down, made in the image of the light, and given all this power, and made basically immortal. And then you found the one thing that made you not immortal, which you know killed you, and then you came back as a Death Knight. That is like one of those heavy metal moments where it's. You know, like it's that's a cover of a, a death metal album in the making with the dude surrounded by a corona of light with like a guitar that should be not possible to be a guitar, but it is anyway. And now he's got covered in spikes and skulls. And it just it, it seems like another existence that would be agony, but for something completely different, especially just when reminded you can... me, you know, that that there's that light forged who dies attacking the horde before desire lore. Like mm-hmm. in the in the diversion. What if that guy came back at the Death Knight? Oh yeah, and he could. He could. It would make sense. But I mean, uh, Bullfar would definitely notice that guy. So you know, it, it just it just was something I thought about because like they've already willingly given themselves over to the light in a way that is almost fanatical in their devotion. Right. Um, I'm not saying that it is. I'm saying almost because every player character is different, etc. But what yeah, we've no, seen, I understand. Yeah. I'm just saying this for the fo- the the benefit of folks at home. I'm not attacking the Lightforge. I, I get this. I get this sometimes. <laughs> uh, but think about that sort of uh, of mindset of waking up again after your great sacrifice for the light, dying serving the light, only to be brought back by the power of undeath, and maybe forced to serve. Who knows what the future is going to hold for that? But you are now undead. The light is almost anathema to you. Like, that's just, that's like a Glenn Danzig song, if I've ever heard one. Like, it's just, I, I think that they would have the cake on that one. And Forsaken Holy Priests are sort of like the hipsters of this whole equation because they were doing it before everybody else was. So they'd just be sitting there we like, did it when it was, we did it before it was cool. It before it was cool, yeah. <laughs> so, hopefully that answers your question. I'd love to hear you guys at home, uh, you're listening to this, let us know what you think of those three would app would be the the best story to tell in game of one of those well forsaken paladin a light forge death knight or a forsaken holy priest let us know uh the next one is a rather long one uh so i'm going to try to get through this real quick hi watchers first time i had the chance to fire off a couple of questions since hearing the podcast thank you for that uh well the first one is a is the pre-show was real good i was wondering if you would consider releasing it to the general public uh the conversation on memorization the power creep and expansion had a bit of depth that masses may want to hear uh, please consider releasing the pre-show and the whole enchilada to the general public. Okay. I, I want to actually talk about that first before we yeah. move on to the rest of it. Um, that's an interesting thing, but here's the thing. We do the pre-show, uh, especially for patrons, to reward them for being our patrons. And it's like, we we, we, we don't, and there's no negative thoughts towards people who aren't our patrons, mm-hmm. but we kind of when we when we came up with the idea of what could we give people so that they you know they they get something for pledging 
that's exactly the kind of thing we thought of. It's something that isn't, it's not taking anything away from people who can't pledge. It's giving something extra to people who can. And it, by if we decided to just put it out there for everybody, then we are taking something away from those people who pledged, which I don't really feel like is something I, I would feel comfortable doing. Now, I was going to say, I'm along that same vein, because we do stream this podcast, and we do stream the pre-show, and we understand not everybody can give to, to Patreon. We completely and totally understand that. But there is also the opportunity for those who can't to catch it in real time and be here for the pre-show. And we know that that sometimes doesn't work with scheduling, but it's also there for that. It's sort of the compromise we can make along those lines. So, and like Rossi said, it's not any ill will or anything towards that. It's just, it's a bonus for those that do support us on Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, again, it's, I mean, we'd love to not, you know, if we just suddenly like, you know, I don't know, so like a money fairy showed up and just threw money at us so we could do all this stuff and never have to worry about it. Sure. I could give you an extra half hour of show. I don't mind. I love talking. You kidding? Yeah. Same. Shutting me up is the problem, <laughs> but you know, it's, it's definitely a situation where we don't want to, we don't want to cheapen what people signed up for when people are like, when they, when they put down their money to, to get that extra bit, we want to give it to them because it's it's a nice thing they're doing and they're helping they're helping everybody get the show because they're subsidizing the people who you know can't pay for it and that's great and we want to reward them uh but to answer your question that's coming up that you know has, has anyone ever asked us occasionally but not very often i think a lot of people don't really know that the pre-show exists uh you know, it's just one of those things that people who listen to the stream and people who pay for Patreon get and that nobody's really seemed too interested in getting it who isn't a patron. At least no one said nothing to me, but, you know. Yep. So I think we've we've covered that pretty well. I think we should move on. Uh, instead of new classes or game changer talents, this is the real this is the question about game mechanics, by the way, from the same person. Uh, example: Gladiator stance. Uh, my warriors also missed this. How about every other expansion? Just add one or two full new specs. It was done successfully with splitting feral and guardian druids into two. Why not have a tinker class be a tinker spec or uh, of hunter or rogue, kind of where it would belong? Dark ranger maybe, shadow hunter. Uh, the Blade Master as a warrior two-handed tank spec. Uh, apologies for the garden, uh, the garden offensive text. Easy target, uh, Huntar from Alderman. Uh, uh, you want to go first? On yeah, this? it's and we we've talked about this a bit before, and I think uh, this is one of those ones where it's it's complicated, right? And we've when you add individual specs to the game like yes this would be absolutely rad this would be a super cool idea if it's something that they could do but then it comes back to balance because at this point there's what 36 specs in game yep yeah so now you're talking about 36 goes to 38 are those two specs balanced properly are they breaking mechanics in the game does that mean more dev time between content because this is something that a lot of people don't don't talk about is every time you have to balance an encounter around a new class or a new spec or even like new expansion wide gimmick, whether it's, you know, the heart of Azeroth or Azerite gear, whatever, anytime you add something like that, it drastically increases development cycles between content. And we saw that with like Warlords of Draenor. A lot of people were complaining, but that was also an expansion that changed tactics partway through and added more stuff 
that it could deal with, which meant longer dev cycles between content because it had to be balanced as close as possible. And there are some people who find joy in that imbalance of a class being super overpowered. See Death Knights and Wrath of the Lich King. But it's not great for everybody. It's not great for the general player base. I played a warrior throughout this war. I mean, through uh, Wrath of the Lich King, and it was not fun. Yeah, there was like three of you guys playing warrior during that time frame because everybody moved over to Death Knights because warriors were kind of redundant. But I, I think the happy medium, and I think we've said this before personally, is using these ideas instead of separate specs as a skin or something visual that doesn't actually change balance, but gives you that feel of the class. Like shadow hunter is a great thing. It's something that I've been looking for for a long time because it's that beautiful hybrid of rogue plus shaman essentially. And I would love to see something that gave that to a rogue class where like a subtlety rogue could be a, you know, shadow hunter. It, they just happen to be totemic instead of mixing poisons. That's how they get their shadow or their uh, their stealth, things like that. You could do something like that a lot easier and not impact development and keep the, the, the game moving at a decent pace, which is something we also talk about is how long do you want between content? Do you want to have a year between raids? Because that's that's the, the give that you have to, you know, account for when you start adding specs like this yeah um one thing i forgot to put in the news this week that i think actually works for this is they've they've changed the uh drop rates on a couple of legendary i mean a couple of other uh, mounts from mythic rating the ones from nihalatha from mythic nazoth and the ones from desar lore from mythic jaina and there's some back and forth on whether or not the jaina one's going to stick but the reason that they stated for that was that they didn't think it felt good for an entire raid group to have to wait 20 weeks mm -hmm. to to get them out. And th that made me think, like, how long are we actually going to be waiting for Shadowlands? Like, are we going to not get past 20 weeks? That would put Shadowlands smack in the middle of this year, which is along the lines of what we've been thinking for it. Yep. And you think about, like, do you want to be in Shadowlands for a year? Do you want to be, do you want to be end of, of, uh, Mists of Pandaria where it was 14 months inside Siege of Orgrimmar? 14 months was the longest content drought this game's ever seen. The, the, the Warlords of Draenor one wasn't as long. The, the content, you know, the reason Warlords of Draenor felt bad was because we literally got two patches and then we were like, you know, in, in, in Hellfire for a year. But even then, it wasn't 14 months. And, and we like, don't want to have that 14 month, you know, this expansion is effectively done. We're not going to get any more content, yep. but we're waiting a year and two months till the next one. That's the kind of thing that adding classes is going to give you. And I, and I will say this, I think Battle for Azeroth has gotten the pacing a lot better than a lot of the other expansions of, of recent. I don't want to see that balance tipped either. And maybe that's a little bit selfish of me. Uh, they had good they've had good good balance and patches in both Legion and Battle for Azeroth. I think that Legion yeah. lasted about as long as it could before it wore its welcome. Yeah. Like the, the last raid patch, I think it was like, what, eight months? And that felt, okay, we're starting to feel it. Okay, the new thing's coming. Now I, I will. See. I was gonna say now, if Blizzard ever does decide to add other classes and at some point or other specs, uh, I mean, I'm never going to say that I wouldn't want that. I used to want to have there was um, 
and a lot of people don't remember this, there used to be a Storm Rider uh, in the old, 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 old books uh, from the the Warcraft RTS games that was mentioned, but never actually, uh, never actually implemented or or anything beyond that. I'd love to see something like that came back. That was the hybridization of a druid and a shaman, and that would be absolutely phenomenal to me to see something like that where, you know, here's a bear uh, wielding raw elemental power because it can. Uh, that would be super rad for me. Uh, I, I'm i not saying that I would never want to see something new like another hero class or something like that. I think those those were great, but I know that they've, I think they've actually said that they'll never add another one. Uh, but if they ever change their mind, uh, I'd be okay with that. I, I mean, as long as they can maintain the current balance, I think it would be fun. I'll say that much. All right. I think we pretty much covered that, don't you? Yeah. Our next one. I have heard of a cinematic request line that shows the Alliance and Horde signing a peace treaty in Tehran, not wanting to be part of it. Having played 8.3 for quite a while now, I have yet to find this. Has this not actually come out in game yet, or am I just missing something? Uh, if it is live in game now, where do I find it? Thanks, uh, Thontor from Paranold US. Late Forge Tri Paladin. I'll let you answer this one since this is more Alliance side centric. Uh, as far as I know, um, if if it's in game, it's in game after you've completed the Nazoth quest, because uh, that segues into yep. everything else. I have not killed Nazoth yet, so I can't verify that. Um, it yeah. may be something that will just be coming out later. They do that. They put in stuff in the patch and that is data mined out that doesn't immediately go live. That will go out later in a smaller, you know, turn it on patch. I don't know which that is. There's, for instance, there's a quest where Taronda gets to, you know, declare victory over Darkshore, and I haven't seen that one yet either. Um, so, is it in game and doable yet? I don't know the answer to that question. Uh, I think that if it is, it won't be. You won't be seeing it till you've killed Nazoth. And if it's not, you'll see it when they turn it on. But it, the files do exist. We know that much. Yeah, we've we've seen we've seen them, or at least heard of them, right? So yeah, it's same thing. Like I think I think it's tied to the Nazoth quest line as well, because I've done everything else except kill Nazoth right now. So I'm relatively confident I would be able to find those at some point, and I just haven't. Like I've I've gotten the Calia one. I've done that. That that was easy and, and up there and up front. Uh, even Horde side, that was easy to go do. But this one, I think you're right, and I think it ties into sometime after Nazoth, because if you think about it, that's sort of the end of the war campaign. And Nazoth is that end point as far as quests that you are given at the war to save Azeroth. This is the last thing you do. Like, when they were doing Azara, that was tied into that war campaign quest line too. And you didn't get any of that stuff until you killed her and it led into the next pieces. So this will probably be very much that as well. Um, I'll probably be able to report back after this week, hopefully, knock on wood. Uh, but I, I think it is tied to that. All right. Uh, next up, greetings, watchers. After finishing all battle for Azeroth quest lines in the Horde side, I used my level 110 boost to raise a character in the Alliance to play all the story content. I wanted a class that can DPS and heal. I already had a Druid, Paladin, Shaman, and Priest in the Horde, so I boosted a Night Elf Monk. 
it's not going well. The playstyle of the monk class does not seem to fit the fantasy of the World of Warcraft to me. Do you have any class or race that you can't play just because it does not fit? Uh, keep up the awesome con- uh, awesome podcast. Regards, uh, I think this is Yohav or Yahov, the Seeker Night Elf Monk. Yeah, if you want to correct us on that at some point, Please. you can email back or you know show up somewhere else in Dallas. Um, mage. I couldn't yeah. get past level fourteen on a mage. Um, and it's not that they don't they feel wrong. They feel very much like a part of World of Warcraft. But I felt like a complete tool playing one. I just felt so bad. And I'm going to say this as the guy who every time I play a paladin, I've said this a hundred times, I don't mind playing a paladin at max level. I hate playing a paladin leveling up. It's like the worst feeling. I feel like I'm playing in molasses. Uh, they, they can't get anywhere quickly. Um, they can't do anything. Like If their stuff is on cooldown, they never have anything they can do. They just sit there and kind of go thwonk, thwonk, thwonk. I don't like how paladins feel to level. I can play them just fine at max level. My current paladin I'm playing right now. I don't have any problem with that. But it's it's the leveling. Leveling always feels bad in a paladin to me. I just always feel wrong. But mage is worse. For... I couldn't get past level 14. I couldn't do it. Yeah. Mage, mages are mages are bad for me too, but not that bad. Like I can still get them up there. It just takes me longer than usual. Uh, my biggest disappointment is I don't have mass teleport, so I can never be an archmage like, you know, Antonidas. Oh, well. Uh, but the one class, the one class that I absolutely can never play and I get stuck just like you right around that 14 to 20 mark rogues. And I think it's the disconnect for me that the rogues just feel like, and please don't. Don't take this the wrong way, rogues. If you love playing your rogue, I'm happy for you. To me, it feels like a weak warrior. Like, even with subtlety and all that stuff, like, a lot of the the stuff that made rogues cool back in the day, as far as, like, their utility, it's kind of gone. And now it just feels like, ha ha, I'm a warrior that can't use a shield or a big sword, but I'm going to stab you anyway. And, like, the toolkit just doesn't feel very World of Warcraft-esque to me anymore. And I was really, really hoping, and this is me when they were announcing like they were changing the specs around and giving a whole new spec to to rogues and and sort of re-kitting them out I wanted a swashbuckler spec I wanted something that was flamboyant and flippy and you know very dexterous because to me in my brain that's what a fantasy rogue is it's not just sneak 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 sap oh I got your coin purse ha 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 it's you know, somewhere between Errol Flynn and, you know, the Gray Fox. Like, it's in between that, the, the, those two. Like, we don't have that. And I think that would be a better fit than some of the specs we currently have. But I think because I can't disconnect my brain from it, I can't get past a certain point with rogues. They just lose their luster for me, and then they sit. And I feel really bad about it, because I love the, the idea of it, but just not quite there. And if you at home have a class that... You just can't level up. I don't want to hear, you know, that you hate it, but if there's a, a weird reason or a weird class that, like, you just can't level, let us know. I'd love to hear it. Yeah, I don't... Here's the thing. I don't hate mages. I'm just terrible at playing them. Like, oh, God, just so much <laughs> panic. Just just at low level, mages, like, have to run away constantly, can't do any of that cool stuff that keeps them from getting murdered. As they get leveled up, then they suddenly have a lot more options and a lot more control, but it's getting there. I just can't do it. 
I might try again uh, when Shadowlands the leveling changes come out to see if I can get there this time. But yeah, yeesh, I'm not good at that class. <laughs> All right. Our next question comes from Sivus of uh, Dethicus. Two birds, one stone. Alun should transfigure Sargeras' sword into a new world tree. I'm going to point out that Alun's never had anything to do with any of the previous world trees. Yeah. Um, and also, if someone stabs me, I don't want the knife to suddenly turn into a living plant. <laughs> like, ah! <laughs> now it's a tree growing out of me. This is not good. That... Not what I wanted. No. You know, I'm just saying. I mean, but I could totally see like A and R like totally trying to do that because it is it is essentially Titan essence question yeah, mark. It could be kind of <laughs> it could be interesting. I just I'm just saying it's it'd be real freaky. Yeah. Ah! But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I've... sure, why not? We'll see. We'll see what happens. It, w- it would be nice if something happened with it. Um, I do like the idea Joe actually had. I think during one of the podcasts that at some point. Like Azeroth could reach down, grab it itself, yep. and pull the sword out, and then start using it. Yep. Uh, you know, it's like that's pretty metal right there. Oh, you stabbed me! Now I'm going to stab you. I, I have this. I have this like head cannon thing that I've been playing around with. Like that one day Azeroth is going to wake up, and it's going to be like that Doctor Who, the Dragon in the Moon episode, where like you know Azeroth, the shell gets left behind. Uh, but she still emerges, rips the sword out of her former body and goes and has one of those celestial battles, like masters of the universe from the eighties, that horrible Dolph Lundgren movie that I love for some, whatever reason where they have that weird, like battle between Skeletor and He-Man where they just meet in the cosmos and like all this light blaring behind them. You have Azeroth on one side with the sword that she just ripped out of her former husk fighting like the awakened form of void Titan Koresh because we still have no idea what's going on with that. Like, I just want something like that to happen because it would be completely out of left field, totally heavy metal. And I'm here for it. 100%. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, I still don't think the Titans actually leave their planets behind. I honestly feel like their bodies are their planets. Sure. But either way, I still think it'd be cool to see her pull the sword out and go, you know, go over to the throne of the Pantheon tap on and go, could you let him out, please? I have to have words with him. (laughs) This thing where you stabbed me. You and I are going to talk about that, and we're going to use the words you know so well, a.k.a. stabbing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd be okay with that, too. Uh, we got one last question on the docket, and this one comes from Ash Leaf of Silvermoon. Two weeks ago, you talked about multiclassing in WoW. In the first MMO I played, you could choose two classes. One would be the main class, the other the subclass, and you could switch switch them around. There were these. Th- there were three types of skills: general class skills that anyone with the, that class or subclass would get, special class skills that only players with the main class would get, and a combination skills uh, that only players with that class combination would would get. For example, a priest mage did more damage. A priest paladin was better at healing. A priest warrior was a melee martial artist slash monk, and a priest rogue was similar to a WoW shadow priest. While I would love a similar system in WoW, where that you would need to rework the entire game to make it possible. Yeah, uh, I'll let you go on this one because I have I have a lot of thoughts on this. Well, I, it's like I said at the time, like you know, certain game in order for that to happen, they would have had to design it that way. And the problem is, is that we're at a point where they have designed it this way for 15 years. And yes, they've been changes along the way. There absolutely have been. Um, one of the things I've thought about 
is they keep talking like we're going into Shadowlands where we're going to get the level squish. And we're going to be down to level 60 at the end. Like we're going to level to 60. If you wanted to keep from having huge numbers, one of the things you could do was instead of having the next expansion be one where you leveled to like say level 70 on your priest, you could put in a subclass system where you instead picked another class and leveled 10 levels in that. And you just st- you stayed you your your main you're still your main character, but instead of having being like a level 70 rogue, there's no new stuff above 60 for rogues. But you could be like a rogue slash warrior. Now you could be that warrior who maybe uses a two hand weapon. One of the like if you've ever read the Conan stories. Oh yeah. Conan is essentially like he's Conan the Barbarian, but he's essentially like a warrior in WoW. I. Except that he has rogue abilities because when he was a kid, he spent some time in in Zamora stealing things. And that was like, that's something you can't do in WoW at all. You can't play a character who's got the ability to run around. Like, it's one of those things that multi-classing is designed to do. And it's one of those things WoW can't do. And it would be interesting if they put that in. But I, I don't really feel like they're ever going to because I do think the amount of design to get it to work you're basically better off doing another game at that point. That's, yeah. And I say that this is something I think would be cool, but I feel like the ship has sailed. I feel like we're, it's what we thought hero classes might be like. Cause keep back in, back in vanilla, we had no idea what a hero class was going to be. They talked about it, but they never actually until, until wrath of Lich King came out, we had no idea what hero classes would look like. So yeah, it was one of those situations where we didn't know. There, uh, there was a lot of games that actually did this, like a lot of MMOs that did this or similar things, right? Um, my personal favorite of the lot uh, was City of Heroes. And I've, I've talked about this a lot in the past. Uh, it's actually where I know a bunch of folks from in the game industry because of, of that game. It was a super, super love of mine. But it let you do that with power sets. You picked a primary power set and a secondary power set. The primary power set gave you a specific set of powers. The secondary one did as well. And you could mix and match and sort of create your own character uh, based around those concepts. Uh, They even allowed you to respec at several points where you could change your, your power sets around. And it opened up a whole new possibility of gameplay. Uh, I remember that was an EverQuest 2 thing where you selected uh, archetypes, I believe. And I don't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I mean, fighter and priest were definitely ones of them. Ones of those. Uh, I believe there was a rogue class as well. And then they had subclasses like Swashbuckler, Brigand, Troubadour, Dirge. Like these were classes that were subclasses of that archetype. Uh, It can be done. And it is something that that a lot of games have done uh, over the years and it opens up a ton of possibilities, but they were balanced for it. They were created with that in mind. Like, to give you an idea, City of Heroes had 82 possible class combinations before City of Villains was ever a thing. 82 classes. Think about that. WoW has 12. Might be 12. Was it 14? I think it's 12. No, it's uh, 12. Yeah, it's 12 with 36 specs. Yeah, because one, one class has four specs, one class has two specs, so it still works out to three specs per class. Yeah. On the average. I mean, it, it's a really, really cool idea, and actually, I hope 
that MMOs going forward look more at stuff like that because I think it gives players a lot more options and a lot more in the way of uh, just customization and, and almost replayability and engagement in that regard. But I don't think it's something that would ever happen with WoW. I don't think WoW would survive that type of customization uh, even like, and we were talking about this uh, in real life a while, uh, with a couple of friends of mine uh, about how we used to do those weird class like multi-spec combinations back in the day, and those broke things. Like the fact that I could tank very effectively on a hybrid shaman build, a class that wasn't supposed to be able to tank, broke encounters. That's where warlock tanks came from originally, before there was ever an encounter that needed them they were able to spec in such a way that they could do something that they weren't supposed to do. And it broke encounters and made them way easier. The game is not balanced for that. It never was. And that's why they moved away from letting players do that in the first place. But it would be something that if let's say there was ever a world of Warcraft two to come out, I would like to see maybe something like that explored as maybe the basis for those classes. Like maybe we go back to that earlier question where well, those shadow hunters, that's what they are. They're a class that has almost like a two class setup where in the next version of WoW, they could do both. Who knows? But we don't know what the future brings, but I can tell you that I don't think that we're ever going to see WoW do something like this, at least not in WoW 1.0. Yeah, it's not that it's a bad idea. It's not that, you know, I, I honestly feel like if we went back to the drawing board and instead of having like paladins and druids, they'd made like this kind of system and you could be like your druid character would be a mix of like priest and mage or priest, you know, like you literally could pick which of these things to mix together to get your druid. That could have worked pretty well. Yep. Um, and obviously would have been like a, a warrior priest combo. Um, and if you wanted like what we have now is the fury warrior would have been like a pre a warrior rogue combo. Um, there's ways that it could have worked and could have worked really well. Um, it isn't how they designed it. Uh, I think they went for something that was more... It's simpler to pick up. And that has a lot of appeal. Like, you pick one and go. When when you mm-hmm. when, when WoW came out, in, like, in 2004, you picked a class and you went from there. You didn't have to, like, worry about, okay, how is this going to mix with the other classes I might want to mix it with later? You just, okay, this is what this class does. Okay, good. And there's there's good reasons to do that from a design perspective. It's not just it's not just to keep things limited. It's also because it helps funnel people in certain directions. So I don't I think at this point we are not going to see that happen. But that is all we have as far as questions. Uh, I know Matt usually says this, but I'm going to do it because I'm already here. If you have questions for the podcast, go ahead and make sure that you send them in. Uh, the email address is podcast at blizzardwatch.com. That's singular. This apparently came up in conversation today where folks were very confused if it was plural or singular. It's singular podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Let us know which show it's for, whether it's Lore Watch or Blizzard Watch. If you have multiple ones in there, separate them out. Just make sure it's clearly defined which you want to go where. Uh, it's a little more work for us, but I don't I don't mind. I don't think Matt does either. Um, and we did receive some of your theme question or theme ideas for the other show. Send those along as well. Um, 
Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Rossi, any parting thoughts? Oh, I was just going to say, guys, thank you all so much for being here. Uh, Thanks for supporting the site. Uh, We're doing a pledge drive to keep we 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 drop below the level that we set for weekly lore watches and we're doing a pledge drive right now over on our patreon to try to get it back up to the the pledge level so that we can keep doing uh the weekly lore watch because i think i speak for joe when i say that we both really love doing it so we would love to get it back up there so we can guarantee that it keeps going forward and there's some other stuff in there too like you know for instance more more common more frequent D gate podcasts and stuff like that. That's that's also there. That's if you want to pledge, that's something you can pledge for. We we would love to do that. I think both Joe and I are love playing D and D. So you know, there's there's something there. But keep that in mind. Go take a look. Uh, it's on our Patreon. You can go to BlizzardWatch.com and you know our Patreon's linked there. Uh, you can look for us on Patreon. And you know, if you haven't, if you're not pledging, please consider pledging. Um, if you are pledging, if you can afford to bump it up, you know, hey that helps us and we would very much appreciate it uh but yeah this has been the blizzard watch podcast uh thank you guys so much for being here and we'll be here next week hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20 percent off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details